This is Live from the Table, the official podcast of New York's world-famous Comedy Cellar, coming at you on Sirius XM 99. And the Laugh Button Podcast Network, Dan Natterman here, coming at you in studio. Joining me via Zoom all the way in Wells, Maine, we have Perry L. Ashenbrand and Noam Dorman, the owner of the world-famous Comedy Cellar. We're waiting for... Pete Lee to come join us. But meantime, how are things going up in Maine? Sorry I wasn't able to join you. It's been sort of a hectic week. Yeah, Dan, we were disappointed that we didn't get to see you. We were hoping that uh, you'd come You'd come here. Well, like I said, it's been a hectic week. It's been a lot of, um, well, mainly just obsessing and, uh, <laughs> but, you know, that's a, that's a, that can be a full-time job. I'm, I'm 60% of the way through your book. Okay. And any comments? I'm I'm I looking forward every night to reading it. Oh, wonderful. I, I think it's fantastic. That's the highest compliment you could give, obviously. Thank you so much. I'm, I'm I, just I'm I, I'm wondering what's going to happen. Some I just like I it's pretty good, Dan. I mean, you really you really know how to write a book. You have analogies and similes and and um, and, and flashbacks. And just too, <laughs> there are actually too many commas for my taste. But that's <laughs> that's the only criticism I have is it's well, like a lot of commas, especially. Uh, I didn't use the Oxford comma, which. Um, I don't know. That might uh, may or may not have um, you may or not have noticed. You know the Oxford comma when you like the third thing in a yeah, list. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. I haven't. No, I, the first paragraph I know some commas and and then there is there's a typo also. I've, I've um, mm. with I think you there's some names that are transposed. I was I, I I noted it for you so you could probably fix it or, or at least or maybe I'm just an idiot. But I, I read it a few times and I I I couldn't. There was some there was one little part I I thought maybe it was a mistake, but. Uh, but I'm bad with keeping character names straight. But other than that, which, you know, um, uh, yes, this, e- I am so impressed with this book. I can't even tell you. I'm, I, I can't believe it. Well, it, it, number two things, a, email me those mistakes because I can yeah. change them. I'll, and number two, if you want, you've already gone be above and beyond the call of duty. But if you want to ask Liz to promote it on the Instagram feed, you're certainly welcome to do so. I won't stop you. Oh, I would love to do that. I, I thought you were going to say I don't have to finish it. I've already got <laughs> <laughs> above and beyond the call of duty. Oh, no, you don't have to finish it, but but if you want to finish it, obviously. No, Dan, I, let me tell you, I'm telling you with, with all honesty, if this were just a book and I didn't know you, uh, I would be really entertained into this book. Oh, well, thank you. That's, uh, you know, obviously uh, the highest compliment possible. So I appreciate I also want to give a shout out to Aruba Ray Allen. He's the only MC that can get the name of the book right, because when I when I do a set. And I asked the MC, can you plug Iris Spiro before? I gave up, by the way. I'm no longer asking, but <laughs> I, I, I would ask the MC, can you say, uh, he's got a book available, Iris Spiro before COVID, and they didn't never got it right. I won't mention names, but, you know, they would say, like, Iris Spiro, times of COVID, or Iris Shapiro, you know. So I, not that it matters necessarily, but, but Aruba Ray gets it right every time. So, uh, I really we need to do a podcast when I finish it where we go through it. And I really want to find out um, like the backstory on these events, like what's autobiographical. Like, was your mom an alcoholic then? No, but I also we don't want to give too many spoilers. No. Well, I, I don't think that's just, that's not a spoiler of like the plot or anything. That's just like a basic character. All right, well, well, you know what you do? Well, well, you'll you'll email me any questions you have and I'll decide whether or not I think it's a spoiler. Yeah. yeah. And also email me those mistakes. Oh, I hate to hear it, but. But if there's mistakes, we they should be corrected. Nobody else seemed to notice, but you know, it could be me. I I I I really do You're get. I, I get the wrong name. I use the wrong name. Yeah, it was in the tennis the tennis match, and somebody um, 
somebody insulted somebody and walked off the court, but then it seemed like you had the person who walked off the court still on the court talking. That could be. I'll, the I, mother, I, I, the mother, and then the and the that's, the, the, that's in Bermuda. Yeah, yeah. I mean, okay, I'll look through that, and yeah, look, yeah I hate yeah. to hear it, but but obviously, uh, it needs to it, be it, it doesn't affect anything. I saw this. I was reading Tolstoy, and I saw the same kind of mistake. Okay. <laughs> well, you can't. Uh, Tolstoy is. I guess it's too late to correct it, but maybe you can call um, Penguin yeah. Books or whatever. I don't know. Yeah. So okay. So what else? What else want to talk about? Well, until Pete Lee gets here. Until... What are you obsessing over? Oh, yeah. I, my understanding well, was that you the, couldn't the, come because you had spots at the cellar. Well, I did have spots at the cellar. I could have come on Sunday, but then I bumped into on Saturday night. I bumped into Harry Anthony. He told me there's really not a lot of room there. Uh, you got to bring your own like bedding and. Um, <laughs> well, everybody has to bring their own bedding because the 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 house doesn't provide bedding. Um, Just because of COVID. Uh, yeah, I, I, ostensibly because of COVID, but probably pe you know people people do a lot of things uh, for COVID that they, you know like charge more money stuff like that. And it, you know, it's 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 an all purpose excuse. But yes, there's no bedding, but it's not a, not a big deal to bring a sheet. Um, but we are out of room now because we replaced you. Um, well, I was so. told Galen showed up. I don't know if that's who you replaced me with. But. No, Galen's gone already. But we we have uh, friends of Juanita's um, here. Well, you know, maybe we can do something at your house, uh, you know, a get together. I love sleepovers. If you want to come over. Oh, yeah, uh... sure, sure. Absolutely. <laughs> um, you know, maybe with Steve and all that. Um, so, Dan, your governor resigned. What, what's your take on that? Well, um, I think he's your governor, too. Don't you live in the state of New York? Yes, I do. Um, well, I, you know, that, it seems sort of shocking. I mean, uh, you know, a governor resigning seems like a big deal. Although Spitzer resigned, right, several years ago. Yeah, the, the, we haven't had a governor that didn't resign in, since uh, Pataki, I think. Did the blind guy resign? No, but I mean, he was, you know, he was a, he was a caretaker governor. I mean, like an elected governor that didn't so, resign. So so was the blind guy and then Cuomo after the blind guy? Yeah. Hey, yeah. Pete Lee is hey, here. Everybody. How are you? Good to see you. It's Pete Lee, everybody. Hey, Pete, how are you? Hey, good. We good to see you guys. We we're discussing uh, Cuomo. Pete, what do you think about Cuomo? Um, honestly, I like, I don't know a whole lot about it. Um, I want to, I want you guys to fill me in, but, and I'm sorry that I'm late, uh, in solidarity with Simone Biles. I only do the last part of everything now. Um, <laughs> your solidarity is your, how your twisties doing. Yeah, they're really good. They're, <laughs> my twisties are amazing. And uh, don't cancel me for saying that I wasn't making fun of her. I'm really supporting. Oh no, her. you made fun of her. We heard you. <laughs> we already tweeted it out. Check out people making fun of Simone Biles. I'm supporting her. I'm. I am. Oh God, what a, oh, what a victim. Um. Anyway, <laughs> hi guys. Good to see you. Hi. So, um. So, so, did you see Alec Baldwin's tweet about Cuomo? No. What did he say? He basically called it cancel culture, and uh, he's like, "Yeah, he did some. It's tragic. He he did some bad stuff, but you know, cancel culture. I I don't want to get it wrong, but I mean, shocking tweet by Alec Baldwin." Yeah. Basically, uh, you know, uh, disgruntled about the fact that Cuomo resigned. Well, yeah, I mean, Alec Baldwin's also a guy that wanted to reach a high status in life so that he could have a ton of sex. And that's something that has been happening since Vikings were around, you know, like, like that's just a thing that like I, I, I wish that. I wish society would realize that men want to become very successful so they can have as much sex as possible. But it sounds like he wasn't just doing that. He was being a total creep. And that's the problem. Correct? Absolutely. Well, that, that, that to me, I mean, I can read the Alec Baldwin tweet, but the, the, um, the thing that was interesting to me about the Cuomo thing is that he's 
He's the powerful, sexy governor of New York. Um, you would think it would be so easy for him to close the deal sexually <laughs> without having to, you know, do anything offensive. Like they, you know, like it's not that hard, right? But this is so you wonder about a guy like that. You know, what's going on under the hood? Like, like I mean, I don't want to compare him to Cosby because obviously what Cosby did is in another universe. But you also like wonder, like, well, Cosby obviously had had no trouble getting sex, but he. He had to drug them, right? That was his thing. And what is Cuomo's thing that he can't just gentlemanly ask somebody out for dinner and, you know? Yeah, what what, what did he, he like, just to clarify, what did he do? I, I'm, i like, so in the dark on this stuff. Um, I, uh, I just got back from a long vacation, and I haven't been, I've been, like, trying to do a mental health break where I don't, I don't like read these articles and stuff. And so I like you're you're explaining this to me like I'm a brand new person that just came here from like the jungle and doesn't know anything. Dan might know the details better because I've been on vacation. But 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 two things stick out. One, he he put his hand under a girl's shirt, supposedly, allegedly, and uh, grabbed her breast. Another one uh, claimed he tried to kiss her. Another one claimed that he was, you know, like touching her on her stomach and her back, you know, just, just creepy stuff. Now, now the hand on, uh, under the shirt, that's, I mean, obviously this is a, a crime and I think she filed charges. You do wonder what's the context there. Like would he just out of nowhere reach a hand up the girl's shirt? Was he just so out of touch? So unself-aware, but whatever it is, something is up with this dude. Okay. Just, just, it's just, yeah. It's ridiculous. And this sounds like it's this, this sounds like it's kind of the start of the wave of people telling stories about it. You know, like whenever you hear stuff like this uh, and people come forward, it's usually way more egregious than this. Um, you know, like I, I, I don't I don't know the details of it, but I mean, I do know that there's I mean, there's basically two types of men, right? Like you there are men who get pleasure from women getting pleasure and then there are men who get pleasure from women feeling uncomfortable and usually those men are called predators and that's that's a thing that that that's a thing and that's a way some people's brains work and generally speaking we don't let those men be in society or we make them suppress that right um you know it's just it's just a part of it's a part of whatever our monkey brains are um, and it's a it's a slight subsection of men but it sounds like he has that where being the governor isn't enough for him he has like like being being uh, like having high status and just getting sex isn't enough for him kink wise he needs the girl to be uncomfortable um i'm i'm assuming a lot here but, yeah you are uh yeah <laughs> I'm, I'm definitely assuming a lot but if that's the case, that's terrible, you know. Um, well, there, there certainly are people like that are in that category that do enjoy making women uncomfortable. There's others that might just uh, be be um, clumsy and unaware. Well, it, it could be it could be that his batting average was so high uh, that this became, you know, like that he just went to his head. Like if, if there's 12 women or whatever it is that complained about him, you got to, but if he's doing these things routinely, you got to think that maybe four out of five times it succeeds, you know, and, and he just got into these really bad habits. Look, look, I, I don't want to excuse a guy in anything because I, I'm a boss. Um, and this stuff is just, it's just, it's just reprehensible. But what I find more interesting though, in a way is the politics of all, I mean, you had, you had people crying, 
real tears ready to throw themselves in front of tanks like Tiananmen Square if Justice Kavanaugh were confirmed. <laughs> and the accusations against Kavanaugh was that he groped over a bathing suit. He tried to grope a, uh, a girl drunk on a bed at 17, you know. And at the same time, you know, just like two weeks ago, the Democrats are now putting forth this clean slate bill, which means that anybody who commits a crime, uh, uh, you know, before a certain age, it'd be the record would be sealed and expunged, which is proper, I think, and usually what liberals believe. But with Kavanaugh, I mean, they were just, you know, they they just he had to be stopped. Right. And um, I don't. I see people like sad about Cuomo and some people are really uh, furious with him. But for the most part, they're not reacting with the outrage. They're not ready to throw themselves in front of tanks. Hi, uh, Ilya. People people like the guy, you know, um, yeah. Kavanaugh seemed like a frat guy and people just didn't like him. And, and people I, once I mean, you he, like somebody once they're your friend or once you like them, it's very hard to, you know, um, yeah, that's true. That's human. So so the first thing I looked up when the Kavanaugh thing, you'll recall, the listeners will recall. The first thing I looked up was like, what would be the what would be the rule about um, if a 17 year old did something like this? Assuming he did do it. Would this crime stay on his record if it were even a crime? And and how long would it be? And in, in almost every state, a, a low level thing like that, if he then put together 10 or 15 years, whatever it is of no other violation, his record would be expunged and sealed and all that. And so I thought the Kavanaugh thing from day one, I was like, well, even if he did it, I mean, why would we, you know, who would hold a 17 year old's thing against him? We, especially liberals, liberals are the ones who would, you know, want to put a murderer, they, 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 a romantic story of a inner city kid who, who, you know, committed assaults and then made his way to the Supreme Court. That would be a wonderful story. And I and I agree with that, you know, but a 17 year old drunk guy uh, does one thing anyway. So, you know, you just compare it to how the whole Cuomo thing is handled. But it's such a trite observation. I almost. Uh, yeah, I mean, the, to, to boot what you were talking about, Diane Feinstein, uh, the the uh, the ranking member didn't didn't consider it to be credible, which is why she sat on it for weeks and weeks. And uh, only when her staff said let's release this let's go for it because nothing else is uh, sticking to him that that it became a thing should i get yeah, uh, an introduction that we yes. are famous for on this podcast <laughs> yes uh vice president and director of the robert a levy center for constitutional studies at the cato institute nothing to do with cato kalen by the way <laughs> uh, author, an author of supreme disorder which is a book about the nomination process is that right on the supreme court Supreme Disorder, the book. He's Hello? he's frozen there for a second. Oh, so, so my book, yes, it's about the. Well, we got the yes out of him. So politics of, of Supreme Court uh, confirmations and you know, surprise, surprise, politics has been an issue from the very beginning. You know, George Washington had a nominee rejected. I mean, it's it's um, it's uh, you know, it's it, there's nothing new. There's little new under the sun. So, uh, it's it... well. So well, actually, certain things have changed. The way that our parties are polarized, and the way that different. Uh, We got to play a game where we finish his sentences. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, actually about that Supreme Court thing, just because we, we touched on it, but I, it's not what I want to talk about. How how much easier do you think the nomination process would be if the Supreme Court would overturn Roe versus Wade and just took that completely <laughs> off the table? 
Um, it, it, it would be different. It certainly would be different. Um, I mean, there's so many other issues that, that, that uh, divide um, uh, nominees uh, that are originalist versus those that aren't, but uh, it would be a different dynamic. And we're, I think we're the only country where abortion is just debated all the time as a, at a national level like that uh, and by the courts as well. My suspicion for a long time has been if the Supreme Court actually overruled it, overturned it, um, there'd be very, very few states that would outlaw abortion, even the states that claim they would. It's kind of like, you know, they were going to repeal and replace Obamacare. But when it came to it, nobody could really pull the trigger on it. Uh, You know, Ireland managed to do it democratically. It would be such a healthy thing. Ruth Bader Ginsburg said the same thing. The, the Supreme Court short circuiting the political debate that was going on in the 60s and early 70s really did a disservice to our politics as well as to our jurisprudence. That's so funny. I didn't even consider that they could do that on the federal level and then the states could do whatever they want, kind of like marijuana. So people would be like, dude. Uh, Jessica and I are heading to Colorado. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, already a number of states, you know, New York says no, no restrictions whatsoever until like the baby is 110 percent out of the birth canal. And uh, others, you know, a handful of states would say none at all. And most would be somewhere somewhere in between. Have you guys ever been to that bodies, the exhibition thing at like in any like whenever you remember when they had it down at the South Seaport and they have one in Vegas and it's like amazing. You get to see all the bodies and all the tendons and they like they break it all apart and like uh, it's like real, uh, you know, real organs from real bodies that have been preserved. And then you're like, this is fascinating. And then the last room in the whole thing is just the aborted fetus room. And you realize that they baited you into basically becoming like pro-life and like because then you you have to see it you you literally have to see it in real life and um and like whoever created that uh as a motivational tactic was it's very impressive how they did it and i've always been very pro-choice um but it definitely made me think real hard about whether or not i could go through with that by the way we've lost uh gnome and periola oh here they are they're back we lost you for a second well, okay. So I don't know. Why, I'm sorry. Maybe we have bad internet. This may, this may be the one um, most Ill, uh, ill-fated podcast we've ever done. Um, <laughs> I appreciate Ilya being such a good sport about it. So Ilya, you you one I had said uh, in a podcast to Alan Dershowitz that as a business owner, I just wish they would make it illegal for me to fire somebody based on their personal beliefs. Um, and then you wrote something that Tyler Cowen picked up and um, surprised me made me rethink it that you you disagree with that position. And um, I, I want you to, if you would, to, to talk about that. Where am I going wrong? Because, you know, like, let me just have one little anecdote. Years ago, I had a musician who came in um, right, at, right around the time that Farrakhan was uh, saying all this stuff about Hitler and the Jews and poison, whatever. And he, he, this, this guy was wearing a Farrakhan T-shirt. And, you know, he was making a bold statement. And I just... I just decided to let it go. I said, I really have no right to, you know, get involved with this stuff. But it's not lost on me today that if he were wearing, you know, something opposite of Farrakhan, but equally offensive, uh, people would expect me to take action. The other employees, how can you let this guy? It just seems like an untenable thing. And it's like, I'm just going to have a thick skin. I don't really care what my employees believe. And I should, I don't care what they tweet. I don't care if they're Nazis to tell you the truth, as long as they come and do a good job. And I just think that'll be the best thing. I, I shouldn't even have the option of firing them, but you disagree. So go ahead. Right. Uh, so 
what what caught your eye, what caught Tyler Cowen's eye was a letter to the editor of the National Review uh, in response to an article by Eric Kaufman proposing this, um, uh, as you said, to ban or, or to add civil rights or, or employment discrimination law protections for ideology or political belief. And I said, well, that's a that's a lawyer full, full employment act. It adds another barnacle onto the crusty hull of employment law. Um, and it's it's you know, it's hard for especially small businesses to navigate uh, these sorts of things, you know, short of Jim Crow, short of true systemic you know, racism, systemic oppression. Uh, there really shouldn't be restrictions on uh, who an employee, an employer can hire and fire and for what reason, you know, I don't like the cut of your jib should be enough of a reason to uh, uh, to, to fire someone if you want. Or I don't like your T-shirt for that. Man. I don't like the team you cheer for. This is, you know, purely a Yankees or a Red Sox bar or whatever the case might be. Um, and so if you add uh, political uh, belief, then there's going to be litigation over whether you were actually fired for that. What, uh, wh- whether what you were fired for was actually political belief. Is it a bona fide occupational requirement? So let's say we won't do it for political parties. Well, what about think tanks? I work for the Cato Institute. We're ostensibly libertarian. Does that mean we, so we can fire people who are socialist? Well, how socialist? What if they're really, really like left libertarian, a really, really right libertarian, right? So there's all these uh, things and it, and it just, um, it's like I said, it's, it's a lawyer full employment act and, you know, uh, a full disclosure. I have a JD. I, I play a lawyer on TV from time to time. Uh, but uh, I, I just don't think you need to complicate the lives of private organizations any more than they already are. Well, I mean, as a, as a business owner, uh, I, I, I hear you and, and you're right. Um, I mean, the, I don't think you I don't think you disagree with the idea that I shouldn't be able to fire someone based on their race. And and yet that that law is a lawyer full employment act. It, you know, uh, it, you know, people are always being sued for that. I mean, I, I don't know whether we need that anymore. You know, you needed it in the Jim Crow South when it was essentially a monopoly and you needed to break the monopoly somehow. Um, but short of that kind of situation, I think the the culture, especially what it is, what it is, uh, I don't think too many employers would survive very long if they uh, adopted policies of racial discrimination. You, you consider yourself a libertarian? Uh, I prefer classical liberal, but uh, you know, depends uh, depends how you define your terms. These libertarians that I come across on Twitter all seem to be completely bonkers. <laughs> <laughs> well, th- then I'm not. I'm I'm whatever in your mind is defined as non-bonkers. Um, Wait, is libertarian basically just like a liberal that it doesn't mind guns? Because I, I own. <laughs> uh, I, I have guns because I have, I have a stalker and then I went out and I bought guns and I still, you know, I mean, I believe in gay rights, but uh, I I just I have a gun, you know, but I. You have a stalker. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I uh, He's in trial. I think there's a T-shirt right or an Internet meme about like a gay couple that protects their marijuana with uh, with guns. Um, but it's uh, it's 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 not having, you know, it's having maximal liberty. It's it's you know, it's it's the idea behind the behind the U.S. Constitution. We, we uh, create a government to secure and protect our liberties um, because if we, if we didn't, you know, I'm not an anarchist. If we didn't have government, people would be warring with each other all the time. It's just, you know, armed gangs, uh, constantly things like that. Um, and so it's just, uh, you know, let, let the market figure out, let, let voluntary choice, as long as you're not, uh, physically or, or, or fraudulently, fraudulently harming people, um, you know, let, the uh, uh, individual transactions, uh, figure out what's, uh, what's best for people. Well, what Again, about- monopoly situations are different, but. What about things like the FDA, things like 
uh, you know, um, licensing a physician? Should we just say anybody can say they're a doctor and let the market decide? Let caveat emptor be the well. Rule? Well, look, typically when you're again, I'm a simple constitutional lawyer. I'm not a philosopher, but you typically don't start arguing this stuff with the hardest cases. And obviously, you know, it's it's much easier to argue against uh, occupational licensing of hairdressers than of, of doctors. Uh, but, you know, with lawyers, uh, the, the bars are a complete cabal and they're, uh, you know, they're a cartel keeping uh, keeping uh, lawyer rates uh, high for doctors. I mean, certification uh, is probably better than having, uh, you know, strict licensing and like that. And it's not in anybody's interest to uh, to kill people. So the FDA, which uh, in any event should have approved all these vaccines uh, with, with with COVID, you know, months ago based on the amount of data they have and said they're dragging their feet. So lots of problems with the with the FDA, but it's in no uh, businesses, no corporations interest to uh, kill off all their potential consumers. And so these kind of horror stories of if we didn't have an FDA, then all of a sudden all of our meat would be tainted, uh, I think is uh, is protesting too much. Well, that leads us, I guess, to vaccines. So what do you think of, obviously, you just said the FDA should have approved these vaccines, uh, but what do you think about mandatory vaccinations? I don't, I don't like mandatory much of anything. I mean, I think people should, uh, in this context, get, get, get vaccinated. Uh, the law says that if you're um, you know, going to uh, you know, public schools and things like that, then the government can require you to, to be vaccinated in various ways. And and that's probably right. The issue there is to, that, that there are so many government-run schools, I, I, I guess. Um, but I, you know, I think every, you know, in, in the COVID context, yeah, everyone should get vaccinated. But I don't think it's the role of government to uh, to, to require that. When you said that you don't think that people want their customers to die, uh, it related to that, like. The Republicans for a long time were really pushing like anti-vax and like the Trumpers are like, like, I'm not going to do that. But like if they're if the numbers are so slim that they're gerrymandering districts and doing all that kind of stuff, why would they want their people to die? Like they're going to have less people who can vote in the primaries if they don't get vaccinated. I mean, what what's really well, I mean, it, it seems like there's as much or more inner city racial minorities that aren't getting vaccinated as ah. kind of the. The, the rural megatypes. It's a it's a more complicated story there too. But wow. I, I, what I'm surprised in that whole dynamic is why they're not uh, saying that this is all Trump's vaccine, right? Operation Warp Speed. Look what we gave you. <laughs> Biden screwing up the distribution, but we gave you the vaccine, right? I mean, that seems to be like the the more straightforward political message. You know, Trump got the vaccine, but he didn't publicize it, right? It's just a bizarre dynamic. But I mean, I, that's amazing. <laughs> you um, you had said that it's not government's role to say you must be vaccinated, although you believe people should be vaccinated. But but um, I mean, isn't that sort of part of the social contract that we you know, every now and again, we're obligated to do things for the greater good? Whether well, it, be- it depends. It depends on the kind of disease, you know, for for smallpox or, you know, things that are very contagious and very deadly. Um, you know, maybe there is a role to play, assuming that you're, you know, integrated, you know, you're in society, you're not, a, you're not a mountain man out, out in the woods somewhere, uh, until we have to maintain herd immunity. And so it's okay for not everyone to do it. There are medical or religious exemptions or what have you, but you can't have, uh, you know, 80% exemption when you can't reach uh, herd immunity. So, you know, there, there, there can be a role for mandatory vaccination at a certain point, but, um, certainly in, um, something like COVID, uh, uh, we, we haven't reached the point because it's not, uh, you know, outside of uh, certain vulnerable populations. It's certainly not uh, not that serious. Yeah, you heard it here. Not that serious. <laughs> <laughs> 
I, 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 I'm going, I'm butting heads with, you know, some, there's some comedians, by the way. There's no, a- I mean, people are getting, people are getting voluntarily vaccinated. So what is the case for, uh, well, for forcing case, it on even more case, people, you know, the case is that, that there are people that are not being voluntarily vaccinated. They're take at this point, but they can, at this point, they're taking responsibility for themselves. And if, if they want to die, if they want to expose their loved ones to a higher risk, that's, that's up to them. I don't want to be paternalistic about it. Yeah. It's I, Noam. Can you yeah. hear me? Well, we got you. Noam. <laughs> Yeah, you, are, you can are, hear me, right? I don't know if you've been listening. We've been talking about the vaccine. Ilya doesn't feel that mandatory vaccines are appropriate in this case. I'm listening, but I want to I want to ask him a question about my particular dilemma, which is that I can I, I'm vaccinated and I can get a very minor breakthrough infection, which I'm not worried about, but which I will with almost you know 100 percent certainty then take home and infect my three young children. Young children have a 1% chance of hospitalization, which is low, but you know, uh, I think it's lower than that. I'd I'd rather be my, I'd rather be my unvaccinated five-year-old than vaccinated me. Right. But right. But I'm saying, nevertheless, I, I, I I don't want my kids to be hospitalized. One out of a hundred chance of hospitalization for kids, but uh, the chance of rolling doubles three times in a row like a monopoly is one out of 200 right so this is a this is a pretty high probability event if we've all rolled three doubles in a row so i i find it a, a real dilemma yeah if if all the kids could be vaccinated be listen you're on your own if you don't want to get vaccinated you want to die go ahead but i do feel that there are certain populations particularly children that are that are caught in the balance here and we're, and they're not actually getting sufficient attention to that dilemma again that I'm, I'm not i'm not a doctor and i'm i'm not an immunologist yeah. but, it, but the, the the studies i'm reading say that for kids this is um less harmful than the flu i mean the the, the kids for whom vaccinations aren't uh, aren't indicated at the moment and so i'm i'm you know i'm just not concerned about it for uh for those particular populations yeah, I, I've been reading about it, and, and it, you know, you, you, there's contrary information out there. One out of 100 hospitalization, which was the number in the New York Times, like I think today or yesterday, is high. And then, of course, we, we don't know the long-term effects. So, for instance, it, we're, we're learning now that penicillin and other antibiotics given to kids at, at, at two and under are now um, associated with various neurological problems as adults, and cold sores are now associated with uh, dementia. And, you know, just, there's no parent wants to just assume, oh, my kid will be fine. It's, 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 I mean, you have maybe, are you a parent? So let's, yeah, I have two little kids. And so let's get the FDA to approve the vaccines for, you know, at this point, I'm not sure whether I'd give it to my kids because again, it's just not that dangerous to them, but different parents can make other choices and they should be able to make other choices. I mean, uh, if we stop putting, you know, the, the, the guy, the guy who, who put all the sick people in the old folks homes is, is on his way out. So at least that's a good thing. But, uh, uh, okay. you know, I mean, it's it's it, this is this is a disease. And we obviously we know much more about it now than we did 18 months ago. I mean, this is a disease that that uh, goes after certain vulnerable populations and, and, and the elderly. Um, and if we'd known that from the beginning, I would have hoped that our policies would have been completely different because. Um, you know, you protect those and let everyone else uh, live their lives. But, uh, but that's we're, we're straying from we're straying from the from the idea of mandatory vaccinations. I mean, I think, uh, you know, in, in certain circumstances, the the kind of the, the libertarian ideal of you can have total freedom as far as you swing your fist. But at a certain point, your fist strikes somebody else's nose. And at that point, you don't have that kind of freedom. So similarly, if you're if you have infectious diseases and you don't know who's carrying it uh, at that point, certain restrictions can be 
can be allowed. But I just think at this point in the pandemic, um, when when you know we're, we're what sixty percent or something like that uh, of of vaccinated, you know, and, and whoever can get one can uh, can get one, and, and it's really on them if they don't uh, if they don't want to. So I, I just I'm I'm very hesitant to involve. Uh, mandates. I'm also extremely hesitant to to, to mask the vaccinated. That takes a f- further argument uh, uh, for those who are who are on the fence about getting vaccinated. What I, I get vaccinated, I still have to wear a mask. That's it's not a good idea. Well, I I agree with you on a lot of this, and uh, and I should say that at the same time, I I insisted that all my employees be vaccinated, and and I have and I was one of the first businesses, if not the first business in the in New York to. Uh, insist that every customer be vaccinated, but that's quite different than a government mandate. And that's exactly right. Um, yeah. And, and, I, I, and, would, and, I, I and, and by the way, I'm against uh, state governments uh, telling businesses that they uh, cannot require vaccination. And I'm against state yeah. governments telling businesses that they have to require vaccinations. So, but, but one argument I've made um, is that there's, there's, there's an awful lot of PTSD to this such that if the current status quo death rate were the initial death rate of the brand new novel coronavirus, uh, what would we have done as a society to react to it? Nothing, right? 300 people dying. Uh, I mean, we, we, we just we would have said, like when I was a kid and the Hong Kong flu was around, we would have told everybody to be careful. We wouldn't. We probably would have done absolutely zero. It's just right now the current number of people dying would not be enough to get us to do anything. But because of what we've gone through, it's hard for us to see it that way. So you agree with that? Yeah, I, I totally do. And, and I think it's terrible that it's gotten politicized. And by the way, you would have predicted ahead of time that, you know, conservatives who are afraid of disease, afraid of, uh, you know, un, unhealthy, impure things uh, would be the ones who are more protective uh, rather than yeah. You know, so the, 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 it's unpredictable how how the politics and obviously Trump is tied into that. Lots of things are tied into that. But it's um, it's it's unfortunate and um, and surprising how things have, have turned out. The argument that I, I think vaccines are a good idea, but I don't think they should be mandatory is not the argument I'm usually hearing. Usually I'm hearing people that say mandatory vaccines are a bad idea and the vaccine is a bullshit conspiracy that doesn't. Work. <laughs> yeah, I see a lot. Those, of those are the arguments I tend to come up against on libertarian Twitter to the extent that I'm well, then I, I, yeah, well, like I said, I'm not the I'm not the bonkers uh, libertarian of, of, of that kind. I, I don't mm-hmm. go in for for conspiracy theories. I, I go in for facts and, and logic and, you know, things like that. Is, is, is this, by the way, is this the most likely scenario? Trump was hoping to take full credit and, and go on Mount Rushmore for Operation Warp Speed. But now that he realizes that his constituency doesn't like the vaccine so much, he's keeping a very low profile about it because he wants to run in 2024 and he must and he and he's just going to cater to them, even though personally, he probably thinks they're, they're nutty. Is that you think that's right? I am not going to try to psychoanalyze Donald Trump. I have no idea <laughs> what he's it thinking. It sounds perfectly logical, whether it's right or not. It it, it certainly could be right and and makes i mean the thing is the thing is i I think at this point he can do anything and that just becomes the the position of his supporters so um i don't think 
I don't think he needs to calculate that much. He's got he's got this you know group of people that'll that'll follow him. You know, he could change his mind on something, and 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 uh, his supporters will say, well, yeah, that's that's obviously always been the correct thing. Um, well, so I, and, I, I, and, I think and you're trying to. He, he bragged about that. Yeah. What, right? He said that's... he could shoot somebody on Fifth Avenue. No, do you think that's true? Do you think of all of a sudden? Um... Trump really went hard pro vaccine that all these people would 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 fall into line. Uh, I, I think um, a lot of them would. I think Trump. Is, but I, I think Trump is underestimating the consequences of it. I mean, I cannot think of another reason that the guy who wanted to take full credit for the vaccines is now very understated. Mm. about, um, you know, promoting them and, and and encouraging people to take them. He's got to be some logic to that, whether the logic is accurate, it's smart, whether he's 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 reading the room correctly. That's a whole other matter. But he 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 has to have some reason for this. And it bothers me. You know, uh, can I get back to the because they're, they're kind of really, everybody's still there. I can I can't hear. Is everybody still yeah, there? Yeah, we just we just had a pause. Like, like, in, you know, normal conversation. There's just a pause where we all listen and take in what you just said. And, and I, we all think about it. Yeah, this is an unusual podcast. podcast. We're actually we're actually thinking and we're considering what everyone's saying. This is amazing. Yeah. On a podcast, that pause was unreasonable. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I mean, um, this is the 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 issue of mandatory vaccines. I don't mean with respect to COVID, but in general, is one that libertarians debate all the time. There was a an issue of uh, Reason Magazine, which is the most prominent libertarian uh, publication, a couple a couple of years ago uh, about uh, whether mandatory vaccines are ever proper. I don't mean again not for COVID, but like you know mumps and measles and and all the the kind of the the, the standard ones. Um, Rubella. <laughs> right, right. All of those. Right. But, um, but the social norm also used to be quite tolerant of people's wacky opinions and defending people's opinions and and uh, being a, a criminal defense attorney defending sex offenders and all, and all these things, which which Twitter uh, descends on and, and makes uh, people capitulate. And um, uh, what we really would like to see is the social norm turn back into kind of a spirit of the Bill of Rights uh, that we kind of used to internalize in our everyday life. And that's just gone. And, you know, I'm, I, I was desperately trying to find some quick fix with some law. But Ilya's right. You know, you, you're not going to be able to fix it that way, I think. Um, I mean, the, 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 there are certain jurisdictions in, in this country that have political opinion or ideology as a protected class, and they tend to be the most left wing cities. Seattle, uh, yeah. Madison, Wisconsin, Washington, D.C., Berkeley, I think um, it's it's this um, it's a progressive idea of what's uh, what's appropriate uh, um, uh, to think and and to you know to to restrict employers in in, in various ways. Um, Noam is is unique among I don't know he's not entirely unique but it's he's somewhat unique about among club owners in that the more he doesn't <laughs> like uh what you think the more he disagrees with you politically the more you're likely to work here yeah <laughs> i agree yeah, with i that. like that think about the diversity of thought just on stage here which... that's that's actual diversity not just uh you know different colored uh people of the same uh who we, have that, we, we have that too though we have the other kind of diversity as well but um yes uh you know no one because uh, in part because no one just likes to argue with people so the more uh, you disagree with him, the more he wants you here so that he can berate you. <laughs> yeah, but listen, real diversity that comes about through, uh, uh, in, in, I hate to use the, the word, organic way 
is a beautiful thing and is, and is actually the cliche it's true is america's strength I, I actually do believe that but this manufactured diversity which is not diversity at all is i think the death of this country um i i it's it's tearing us apart you know anyway Ilya, um what what can we talk about right, right at the end what's what's on your mind as the hot issue facing the nation right now What's on my mind, uh, you know, um, a comedy I, question, you can ask that, too. <laughs> Do you have a yeah. question about my special tall, dark and pleasant? Oh, we we have Showtime? to talk about tall, dark and pleasant. <laughs> We'd Honestly, let's, get that, I, let's get that in tall, dark and pleasant. Just watch it on Showtime on Showtime. Pete Lee's special. Yeah. And I guess you've just described it. It's tall. He's dark and he's pleasant. I'm tall, dark and I'm pleasant. Uh, yeah, there, there's a new move over Ray Donovan. There's a new badass on Showtime. That's my line. That's my <laughs> line that I came up with. He's also a favorite of Jimmy Fallon's. I don't know if you guys are, are friends. Out, well, I mean, I know you're on the show and I, I recently saw a set you did and he, he's howling loud. He loves you. But can you get him on the phone? As, as when you once you leave the studio. Yeah, I I communicate with him outside of the the Tonight Show, and he's a really great guy. And um, for for a long time, he was producing my sitcom uh, with NBC, executive producing it. And then COVID happened, and then the climate of uh, of buying sitcoms changed. Um, and now we're not in business together. So, um, but he's still a friend, and I he's a, a dear friend of mine. And I everybody always asks me, they're like, "Is Jimmy as nice as you know?" we get to ask about all that, all the famous people that we know, like, are they as nice in person as they are? And he's amazing. He's the best. Like the way that he, uh, he got me on the show was that he came out personally and saw me because a friend recommended that he come see me. And, uh, I, I was having a really hard time getting on the show. Uh, the, you know, the, they had a series of bookers that weren't into me and then uh, a mutual friend, uh, Dave Kimowitz, who's now passed away, he actually asked Jimmy to come see me and he came and saw me in person. And uh, he's a great dude. Awesome dude. Let me tell you that um, I, I met him one time and long story short. And by the way, long story short is an expression which um, is almost is always used <laughs> after the story has gone long. It is never used accurately, but I'm going to actually say long story short. He was incredibly gracious with me in a way that I could not imagine um uh somebody of his uh position would endeavor to be he, that that he had no reason whatsoever to be gracious as he was to me and he was so i i'm going to second well, he, that i mean he's, very he's, a, he's from upstate new york and i've had nothing but good experiences with upstaters whether it be jordan jensen or Moody McCarthy, the list goes on. One time, this guy from upstate New York stuck his hand up my shirt and grabbed my breast, but, yeah, but uh, that was it. He, he's from Queens, but he lives in Albany. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you can't trust those uh, Albany. Ilya. I was in western New York earlier today in, in Buffalo. I was visiting my dad for his 85th birthday in Toronto yesterday and, and came back through Niagara Falls in Buffalo and, and, and flew home. But those are some weird rules up there. One last question for you. Uh, what, so what would you then do about the very real problem of people being deplatformed and then parlor taking down off Amazon and the way the whole thing, no, no one incident is uh, that serious, but the way the whole thing seems to be interlocking together to really uh, put a pressure on the free expression landscape that, Previously, only government could even consider having that kind of influence. What would you do about all that? Just, yeah, I, have, I, I, haven't, see how it, 
I haven't figured all that out yet. Um, there's in, in certain ways, the interlocking um, uh, tech platforms might be somewhat akin to uh, public accommodations or, or common carriers like the old railroads or something, but not quite. I don't want to make the exact analogy, but there's, there's been some interesting writings by libertarian luminaries like uh, Randy Barnett and Richard Epstein and Eugene Volokh making uh, the case that uh, th there's something weird about this, particularly as it relates to the regulation of speech and political opinion, which after all is the, the basis of our, of our democracy, of our, of our rights, of our system of government. Um, so I'm, I'm uncomfortable with what's going on, but you know, oftentimes government is even worse than whatever the problem you've identified. So I, I don't think antitrust law is the right way to do it. I don't think, you know, those who are going on about Section 230, the, you know, the immunity from liability for libel, I don't think that has anything to do with it. Um, but uh, I'm still working through it. So it's, it's obviously a new challenge. And by the way, it's not all tech companies are the same. So hosting parlor is a different sort of thing than uh, having a forum for discussion like Twitter, which is a different thing than selling books like Amazon and, you know, deplatforming a particular book that's politically incorrect about transgenderism or something like that. Um, so you don't, you can't lump all of it together and it's a moving target. And uh, I just, uh, sorry to disappoint. I don't have a quick, clean answer, whether it's, uh, whether you agree with me or not. It, it seems to me that it's the kind of problem which a brave selfless leader of one of these companies could have a big impact on it. He would just dig in and say, enough of this. I'm not doing it except for, you know, the, the, the following uh, scenarios, which track current first uh, Supreme court jurisprudence and you don't like it. Tough well, shit. Look, I mean, Zuckerberg I has invited Zuckerberg has invited regulation because he knows that he's the incumbent. He knows that he's the big boy. And, and if you have regulation, he'll easily comply with that with his, team of lawyers and accountants and everybody else, uh, while would-be competitors get shut out. That's what big right. established incumbent firms always do. So I'd be wary of uh, taking the direction of any one of them saying, please regulate us in this manner. Yeah, yeah I agree. I, I just wish that you know, more companies and these tech people would just stop buckling None of them believe it. They, you know, I'm sure in their private conversations, they're not it's actually not just offended. Tech. Actually... It's not just tech. What about Pepsi? What about the airlines? What about yeah, banks? Yeah, that's what right? I meant. Yeah, yeah. I meant all that. Yeah. Just stop. The, that's, that's like, this gets back to the social norms. You know, they just got to say, no, we, we just don't believe it. We, we, you know what? We could survive it. Yeah, we, we didn't like what he said, but we'll survive. It's all right. Or even the New York anyway. Times, right? The uh, the editors are, are quailing at their twenty something staffers in their in their Slack channels who de demand various people's heads when they're when they're politically incorrect. Ilya, they feel unsafe. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, well, I guess we got to go. Uh, but the lobsters are here. <laughs> uh, I'm amazed. <laughs> Ilya, you're, you're located in in D.C. Where where do you actually hang out? Falls Church, Virginia. You're from Toronto, in Virginia. I, I was born in Russia. We came to we immigrated to Canada when I was little, and then I came to the U.S. I'm one of the few people you'll meet who's naturalized twice in his life. And I like to say that, like most immigrants, I do a job that most native-born Americans won't: defending the Constitution. Well, спасибо for coming on the show. My pleasure. Uh, My pleasure. Volok is like that too, right? Volok is what Ukrainian yep. or something? Yep. 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 Yeah. Well, I guess, and uh, uh, there's, a, there's a bunch of uh, people who have firsthand, uh, uh, you know, experience or 
directly hear from their parents with, you know, with how things can be horrible, who value, seem to value freedom more than those of us who take it for granted having the privileged lives. I, I'm, anyway, a, I'm also well, a first generation American. My parents are from uh, Montreal. So I guess I don't get full credit for being a son of immigrants because it's just Canada. But <laughs> I Canada went to Montreal for my bachelor party. That's yeah, a fun town. <laughs> oh, yeah, you can you can. Yeah, you're allowed to do stuff there. So anyway, we uh, uh, we'd love to have you. We'd love to host you at the Comedy Cellar sometime uh, if you ever get to New York. That would be great. Um, and I, as you were talking about Jimmy Kimmel, I've never met him, but I, I must say one of my uh, the pinnacle of my career, as it were, as a. Uh, professional libertarian as a think tanker was when I got to go on the old Colbert report about, gosh, 11 years ago. That was a that was a good experience. And people were cautioning me that he was going to like slice and dice and edit me and make me look bad. But uh, it was uh, it was a good experience. That was a good show. I, I much preferred that show to his his current show. Oh, absolutely. He was kind of a virtu absolutely. virtuoso. Yeah. Yeah. All right, sir. Well, it's a pleasure to meet you. I'm sorry that uh, you couldn't spend more time looking at Perriel, but our, our internet, <laughs> a, a phone, a phone tie-in seemed to be uh, much better. And Mike, you'll have to figure out some way to edit out all the, the funny stuff in the beginning to, to make a, a podcast out of it. Mike, I don't know if you, you have access to a microphone, but I presume you're listening to. All right, well, thank you very much. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. Uh, I didn't know what to and expect, but yeah, this is this is good. And, uh, you know, hope I hope I wasn't uh, the... Uh, the 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 type of uh, whether libertarian or lawyer, which, which other other which, whichever pejorative you want to come up with that that uh, that that you were uh, that you were hoping for. No, we lean libertarian big time. Well, At least I do. Periel leans whatever. Periel gets the firmware download from whatever the whatever well, you know, the, the you know the Democratic Progressive Party believes today. <laughs> you know, I was just looking at like the the Biden administration. You know, they're they're they. They've adapted some of Trump's uh, immigration policies and defending him in court. And it really occurs to me, Biden can take any position on immigration he wants, 180 degree range. And whatever position he takes, everybody will fall in line. And even the New York Times will hold its fire. And, you know, because nobody believes anything. It's all partisanship. All right. Anyway, uh, thank you very much, everybody. Um, and don't forget to watch Pete Lee's special and uh, check out Ilya Shapiro at the uh, Cato Institute. And I'm sure you can find him on Twitter. Good night, everybody.